As you find your seats, if you'll turn me with me in your Bibles, yet again, to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Hey, this whole month has kind of been our kickoff uh, for our new ministry year. It's been our month that we go back. At the beginning of the month, had our Vision Sunday, really wrestling with God. Who are you and who are we in your sight? What are you calling us to? Be very clear this month that we're looking at three things. And then we're looking at these things for the entire year. That God is calling us to grow. A year of growth. But to grow in grace. And for those of you who were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what does it mean to grow in the unmerited favor of God. To grow in grace. A few weeks ago we looked at the fact that uh, Jesus doesn't come here to earth to tell us to earn His love. He freely gives it to us. He set us free by His work. And we don't have to respond trying to earn it. Now we've got to grow in God's unmerited favor. What great news. What great news about a God who, who doesn't come to crack a whip at us. And a God who comes doesn't always show disappointment in us. Because I'm somebody that should be continually disappointed in as a sinner. But God has demonstrated love for sinners like us. That Jesus came for the glory of it all. He came so that we can grow. And grow in God's unmerited favor as a member of His family by God's grace through faith. What great news. We also looked about the fact we got to grow in our knowledge to know. Grow and to know. Know what? We talked about the fact that Jesus is the one that we find our life in. Knowing, growing in our knowledge of Him. He's the point of the whole Bible. All of it, from Genesis to Revelation, not just the New Testament. This is all about God's Son and how we can find life in Him. That He's the whole point of the cosmos. And He needs to be the whole point. Jesus, God's own Son, needs to be the point of our lives. So that's what we talked about, the know. Now, this morning, we're going to emphasize, because really we grow and know always so that we can go. Because unbelievably, God has called us to Himself so that you and I, as family members, we would be His ambassadors. We would be those that He would want to tell His story through your life and through my life. Isn't that amazing? And that's the go. And every week you come here and we tell you about opportunities to go. And the truth is, children of the living God, you'll leave here in, in, uh, at the top of the hour and you are the church. And as you go, you represent Jesus. And we got to go in a manner that brings Him glory. So uh, let's turn yet again to 2 Peter 3.18. We're not stuck here for the whole year. Uh, we're we're going to move to a new series next week. I'm real excited about church and culture, especially with all the elections and all the things uh, that are going on in the economy. And man, what a tumultuous time. What is our role as a church? And so for the whole month of October, we're going to look at the church's role to government, the church's role to crisis, the church's role to the world. So come next month as well. Um, but let us look to God's holy and errant word because he loves us. He's given us this word. It's, it'll never lead us astray. It's living and active. And by God's grace, we have the privilege to sit under its authority and the spirit that helps us understand. The last few words of the epistle, 2 Peter 3.18. But grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
To Him be glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we are here today by design, by Your design. Whether they're a first-time visitor or the most senior saint that's been here for years, Lord, we're here because You want us here. It's not a mistake. And Father, because You love us, You've sent Your Son to rescue us. Because You don't want to leave us as orphans, Father and Son, You've sent Your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of Your children and to be with us. So Father, now we ask that You and Jesus would do only that which You can do. That You would send this Holy Spirit into this room in a way that we can understand the preached Word. We can understand Your Word. Illumine our minds. God, for Your glory, would You please speak through a broken vessel that desperately needs to hear this message. Father, I pray that You would do that which only You can do. Give us ears to hear. Ears to hear the voice of Jesus. Father, shine the light of the Spirit into our minds so that we can understand Oh, Father God, for your glory and for our joy in our life, would you take our hearts of stone and would you crush them into a heart of flesh? But God, we ask that you would empower our feet, that we would be able to walk out of here as the church for the glory of it all, going in the name of Jesus to tell this broken world about a Father who loves and a Father who gives and a Father who sets free. Father, the things that I say that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. We ask that the things that are are said that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel, use those things to make each one of us more like Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Father, may everything that is said and done bring you glory and bring us joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've become kind of a camera buff. I love cameras. I was recently with a few friends uh, and their sons uh, on a trip and taking, I think, 600 pictures in the uh, progress of about two or three days. One of my friends says, I can't believe what a shutterbug you've come, kind of a junkie with cameras. And cameras have come a long way, have they not? How many of you all have camera phones? Camera phones? I mean, look at the young people all raise their hand. They got them. You know, uh, probably a little breakdown by age. Isn't it amazing to think of technology? I mean, think about this. I just ask you, how many of you all have cameras on your phones? 20 years ago, you'd be thinking, my house phone? What? But nowadays, in today's uh, technology, we carry around cell phones that get us on the Internet. And not only that, we're able to take and snapshot life as it goes, email them to friends. It's amazing. But think of how much Taking pictures has changed over the course of our lifetime. How many of y'all print out your own pictures? Anybody, you know, kind of nowadays, you get a pretty cheap uh, uh, printer. You know, you get a printer that's amazing. You plug your camera right to it. All of a sudden, you're printing your own prints. But for many of us, we remember the day and age with all kinds of different cameras, all different speeds, going to the drugstore. Remember those standalone, standalone maybe in front of a... Uh, 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 mall parking lot where you took your, your film to get it developed. Anybody ever remember getting their film developed that way, the olden way? Isn't that amazing how far we've come? 
I think there's a few of you that may even have printed out your own pictures. Maybe back in the day of dark rooms and chemicals. It's amazing to think how far taking pictures has come. Where else but except in photography do we see that incredible leap? It's amazing to think about these pictures uh, that we can print out and show one another. And oftentimes, when we come to a Bible story, when we see God's Word or hear God's Word preached, it seems or feels a little bit like we're watching someone else's pictures. You ever feel that way? You ever read the stories of the Bible or hear the sermon being preached and you just don't feel like they're really pictures of your own life? Maybe they feel like they're old pictures. Maybe they don't feel like they have a whole lot to do with you. How is it watching someone else's pictures? Now, truthfully, do you enjoy seeing anybody else's pictures? Really? I mean, I remember the day when we used to drop off pictures, we'd go and pick them up, and then somehow I remember one time getting someone else's pictures. You know how puzzling that is? I don't remember any of this. Where was I? Did I have fun? And about three or four pictures, and you'd be like, these aren't my pictures. And you think, I wonder if I can find anything incriminating in these pictures, you know? Man, I might be able to do something with these. But finding someone else's pictures, unless you find something a little spicy, probably isn't very interesting. For those of you who show your vacation pictures to others, they're being nice. They really are. (laughs) They don't care. It's not interesting. I don't care. It was a great place. Went to Australia, fantastic. Went to Europe, great. Mountains, fantastic. We don't care. They're not our pictures. We're not in them. And I'm the chief of sinners. Listen, I get mine. I put them to music. And now I can show them on my computer and I gather everybody around. Hey, I get on the intercom at work. Everybody, there's a really important meeting in my office. Come on down right now. And I usually, truthfully, ask people that work at the church, they'll tell you this. I usually say something like this. If you love Jesus, you're going to be here in five minutes. I think, wow, man, there's a new announcement. Something big's happening. Gather around my computer. Wow. Let me show you my vacations photos. And everybody who cares about job security stays there and says, oh, those were awesome. I really enjoyed them. Can we see them again? Can you burn me a disc? Again, oftentimes when we come to the Bible, we feel like we're watching someone else's vacation pictures. Is it really practical to me? Some of us see like they're kind of stale pictures and we don't necessarily give us a whole lot of joy. Listen, the reality is, is every Sunday we come and we look to God's word. And and I prayed this morning. I said, God, these people this morning are coming and they're coming with heavy burdens. I mean, some people right now, they've lost a lot of money in the market. And there's some real instability right now in a lot of jobs. And I know the reality of a lot of marriages. They're really struggling. And I, I, know, I know the story. I know your story. I, I know how many of your children, many of you have sons and daughters that are still prodigals and haven't come home yet. And, and many of you are just sitting here right now and you look good in your Sunday best, but the truth is, is you're just a wreck on the inside. And maybe there's even some of you right now that are just about ready to burst into tears. Because that's kind of the burden we come in with every week because we live in a really tough world. When it comes to reading God's Word and then sitting under the authority of God's Word being preached, sometimes it feels like, God, I don't want to see anyone else's pictures. 
I want to see mine. I want to see how mine fits into the big picture. And that's what we're here about this morning. It really is. You see, because there is a big picture that God is unfolding. And the beauty of God's big picture, the joy of God's big picture is this, is that He uses our lives, our pictures of our lives to make His story complete. It's amazing. That's why we look to the Bible, because the Bible gives us pictures of ourselves. God's Word tells us who we really are. God's Word tells us who we should be. God's Word tells us, gives us pictures and words that come alive through the power of the Holy Spirit that give us a picture of what life should be like. That's why we hang on to this. We say, no, no, it's not ancient. It's living and active. This is God's very Word. It'll never lead us astray. Give us pictures of our lives. Don't let them be like watching someone else's vacation. But the Bible story also tells us pictures of our individual lives. And what they do is this. They say, if you come to God's Word in faith, if you come to a relationship with Jesus, what God's Word in this relationship will do is will make your pictures make sense. I know that many of you all have pictures in your life right now that you don't know how they fit. Maybe there's some abuse in your past. Maybe there's some really, really difficult times you're facing right now. Maybe there was a marriage that crumbled. Maybe there was some finances that went south. I don't know. But I guarantee you, each one of you is like me. We have pictures in our lives. We're trying to say, how does this fit? How is this good? How does this work? And what we do as a family every week, we come together and we bring our photo albums of our lives before a holy and living God. And we open up his word and we say, speak and teach and love and learn so I can understand what you're doing in our midst. There are four things we're going to quickly look at this morning. The first one is this. The first one is this. The way our pictures were intended to look. Our, what, the way our lives, let me use the word pictures to play on our, on our lives. The one is this. The way our pictures were intended to look. Secondly is the transaction that ruined our pictures. Thirdly is the transaction that made our pictures glorious. And a snapshot on how to make your life a glorious picture. The first is this, the way our pictures were intended to look. You want to follow along with an outline? It's in your bulletin right there. It's on the front cover. The first one is this, how is our picture created to look like? How did God intend for you and me to look and our lives to be like? We were made for the glory of it all. We were made with a purpose. We were made in God's image, so we have worth and value. But we look at a verse that Paul says, like in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And it says this. Whatever you do, whatever you do, even whether what you eat or drink, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. The picture that God intended for you and me to live our lives is a picture that lives this life in this world that in all things, even from parenting uh, to our jobs, to loving our neighbors, to paying our bills, to everything we do, to what we eat, to what we drink, should be reflecting His story to tell His love story in our lives. So we were created for that purpose 
Jack led us this morning in the question and answering of the very first Westminster Confession of Faith. What is the primary purpose of man? What is man's chief end? And certainly it uses the word man, including all of man and womankind made in God's image. But what is our purpose? What is our primary number one purpose? Does anybody know without it up there? What is it? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The li- our pictures of our lives should have God in every picture of our life. That's what we were created for. Not just pictures on Sunday morning we look our Sunday best. But everything that we do should have the picture bringing fame and glory and renown to Jesus. Everything we should do should have God in the picture of our lives. You know, it's interesting because when we hear that in today's modern voice, modern language, say, okay, we are, everything we're going to do is to bring God glory. We kind of live in a society that says, wait a minute, I want to do everything I can to make me happy. So I can be happy and do what I want to do. Truthfully, you and I live in that time. Listen, how often do we live our lives as if seeking our glory, making us happy, is number one? That led us into sin, and we got off, off course with that. What is that terrible noise? Is there a ringing going on in my ears? I had a headache earlier. It is? It's not irritating, isn't it? Someone's pointing to the, uh, the drum set. It's probably the drummer's fault. I don't know. but uh, It's not irritating. Uh, let me pray for us. And Father, there's an irritating noise going on right now. And I don't like it, because I got some good stuff to say, because you put it on my heart. And it just went away. And that's just, no, it didn't. Right now, that uh, I wish I was a Pentecostal and can pray a little bit better and get that thing to stop. <laughs> Father, if you want us to have this sermon through an interruption of that, uh, so be it. Uh, but God, would you tune our hearts even more to listen? Not that I have words to say, but I know you have words to say. And I know you want to speak through us. Uh, so, Father, we thank you for this time. And, and Lord, we do realize that we are in a battle. That the truth is, is that there's an enemy who doesn't want people to know that they were designed for a purpose. There's an enemy that doesn't want people to know that, that our sin has ruined the picture, that Jesus has restored it, and that now we can live for the glory of it all. But Father, you tell us that in Christ we can do all things. And you say that you are greater than the power of the world. So Father, we ask you give us ears to hear, even in the midst of distraction, and we'll give you all the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The point I was making is this. We live in a time that says, hey, I want to be happy. You know, I want to live for the glory of Jeff, I, Jeff, El Jefe, Aki, you know. And, uh, um, and the reality is that's how we started in sin, trying to live for ourself and for our own glory. But I want to tell you this this morning. Do you want to be happy? I mean, seriously, don't we all? Do you want to have life? Do you want to have deep joy? Do you want to have meaning? I mean, isn't that all? Don't we all want to be happy? We are designed by God to find our happiness in Him. We cannot find ultimate happiness. Do you really believe it apart from Him? Because we will spend our lives looking to be happy. The world says, seek happiness. And here's what they mean by that. If you have a wife or a husband that doesn't make you happy, leave them. If you have kids that aren't bringing you joy, get rid of them. Find another one. Leave them. No, sad. Don't mind. But it's true, isn't it? Isn't it about us to say, hey, uh, if I'm going to be happy, it doesn't matter who if I'm married, it doesn't matter about my kids. How about this? Maybe a, a young, a teenager, and you want to be happy, but you're pregnant. Abort it. It's about your happiness. 
And we start looking for happiness in all the wrong ways. But what is the picture that God has intended us to have? Happiness, as God intended, was for us to give God glory. We are made to be happy. And the only way we're going to be happy is if we live our lives for Jesus. Do you believe it? Now think about it. Do you believe it? The only way that God who designed us, that we can ultimately be happy, is to live our lives for his son. We have read all month 2 Peter 3.18. And it's a, it's a scandalous verse. If the early church, when the early church read this verse, you don't understand that they would throw stones at the early church for reading this and for saying this. Because you know what they said in this verse? They said that Jesus should be, receive glory. That Jesus should be treated like God. That Jesus should be given the same glory that the Father is given. These are scandalous words to the early church. Because Isaiah 42, 8, God says, I will share my glory with no other. It's idolatry. I should be number one in all things because I am number one. I am God alone. And now we have the early church and Jesus himself who says this, to Jesus be the glory, both now and forevermore. This is a distinctive mark, mark of the true church that realizes that Jesus does receive all the glory. My doorbell rang this week. I didn't have time to talk. I knew who they were. I knew they were Jehovah Witnesses. I knew they were coming through our neighborhood. And when I see them, I pray like crazy that God would stop up the ears of my neighbors because they're not telling them the truth about Jesus. And I want Jesus to receive glory as the eternal Son of God made flesh coming to rescue us. And I answered the door as politely as I could. And the gentleman sat off and says, I know. He didn't know who I did. He didn't know who I was. Love that. You know? And he says, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm late for appointment. I'm just running in and out. But uh, he says, sir, I know that you have your own religious beliefs, and I'm not here to try to change them, but I just want to leave you with some literature. And I said, no, thank you, because I don't believe in your literature, because I believe in, in the deity of Christ. I believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we have some, some difference in beliefs. But here, isn't it amazing? I just want to ring your doorbell. I want to change your mind, because you have your own religious beliefs. As if it is okay not to give Jesus the glory. As if it's okay not to ascribe to him deity. As if it's okay. And it's not. And either they have truth or we, by God's grace, have truth. But we both don't have truth. Either Jesus is Lord and to him be the glory both now and forevermore, or he's a fraud. He's a lunatic. He's a liar. We were designed by God to give him glory in all things we do. And when they were ascribing glory to Jesus, it was scandalous. To the point of they would pick up rocks and they would kill our brothers and sisters who gave Jesus glory. And somehow the church is sitting on his hands and not giving Jesus the glory. And somebody else is going to be out and ringing our doorbells and saying, well, it doesn't really matter. It does matter. But I love what John Piper says. Let's, let's, let's turn this a little bit different direction. God, John Piper, uh, a Reformed Baptist preacher in Minnesota, great man. Listen to his messages online if you'd like. He's a great preacher desiring God. Um, he, he looks at the Westminster Confession of that we are called to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And he changes one word, and I think he really sees something at the heart of this. He says, glorify God while enjoying him forever. Do you want to be happy? While enjoying God forever. Want to be happy? Live according to his way. 
Be obedient. You want to be happy. You want to find joy in your life. Seek the face of Jesus in your heart, in your marriage, in your job, in all that you do when you eat, when you drink, when you go out. Seek the glory of God. I remember playing golf this summer. I was playing with somebody I, I just met, and uh, uh, we were paired up in a tournament together. Uh, we were up in upstate New York, God's creation. And I get to that fun part in the uh, round. They find out where I do what I do. And I love it when they really are profane most of the round. They find out what I do. This guy, he wasn't that way. We found out I was a preacher. And he was so anxious to tell me, well, I'm an atheist. And I don't believe in God. But good for you. And, and I said, how in the world can you be an atheist? I mean, look at this place. It's amazing. Look at God's creation. I mean, maybe an agnostic. Maybe you think he created and left us all. But an atheist? Are you crazy? We're going to look in Romans uh, uh, 1 and see uh, a picture uh, that we have ruined. The second point is this. We were made to glorify God and enjoy him. The second one is the transaction that ruined our picture and lost it all. Romans 1, verse 18 through 25. If you'll turn with me quickly to Romans 1, 18 through 25. It says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of human beings who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that people are without excuse. This is what Paul's saying. It's kind of wordy. Paul's saying this. We should be able to look at creation itself and say there is a God. Clearly his invisible qualities of creation and goodness are clearly seen. We don't have an excuse. Creation itself tells his story. In verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him. This is where sin began. This is where the story got ruined. We were created to know and love God. What happened? We didn't glorify Him as God, nor give thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, listen, there's an exchange here that ruined the picture. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires in their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Sound like our society? How the picture got ruined is very important. There was an exchange. We exchanged the glory of God. Sinful man and woman exchanged the glory that we were intended to have for creation and for idols. We exchanged the picture that God had given us, the picture that brings life, and we picked up another set of pictures and said, I'll live my life this way. I'll find happiness this way. And our world has been looking for happiness ever since. But we can never find it apart from God. It can't happen. Do we believe it? Family at Orangewood, do we really believe that we can't find happiness apart from Jesus? The picture was given to us to glorify Him. The picture was ruined. We exchanged it. We took the glory of God. We exchanged it for idols and for a lie. And sin and misery has been a part of our picture ever since. And that's why Jesus came for the glory of it all. There was a transaction that happened called sin that exchanged those pictures for the wrong ones. 
And Jesus came to restore your picture, to make your picture make sense, to take the blur out of it, to forgive it, and to restore it. The transaction that bought it all back was 2 Corinthians 5.21. Jesus exchanged, ready for this? Jesus came to exchange His rightfulness and right living and doing all the things the Father intended for our sinfulness. He let His picture-perfect life be ruined in exchange for your ruined life. Did you hear that? Jesus came to give His picture-perfect life as a sacrifice, as a payment for your sin-torn and my sin-torn picture and lives. In exchange, on that incredible rugged Roman cross, He became our picture. He became our sin. All those things in your life that you just can't, don't know what to do with. The darkness that is still there. And He makes it another exchange. He says, I'm going to take your picture, all that picture of sin and death, and I'm going to become that picture. And I'm going to give you my picture in exchange. He says, I'm going to make you clean. I'm going to make you beautiful. I'm going to make you mine. And I'm going to make you holy. At Band of Brothers this week, I had a senior saint leave, and we were talking about the heart of man. We are talking about that only Jesus can tame it. We can talk about the only life found in Christ. And he left, and he asked a great question. He says, will it ever fully be filled? Will the pain ever really go away? He said it a little bit different, but that was basically what he was saying. Because I know that he had tasted the joy of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that his picture has been restored. But yet he was longing for more. And I want each and every one of you to know as a child of the living God, that's our story. We have been restored. We have been forgiven. We have tasted and seen that God is good. Our pictures is coming into focus. And it's in focus in the Father's eyes. But we're not home yet. And there's still some pictures in our lives that are still difficult and troubling. He's working through them. And He's going to set us free. Now we're called, lastly, to live for the glory of it all. In Luke chapter 8, I'm just going to paraphrase this. In Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43, there's a blind man. And this blind man was sitting alongside the road, helpless as blind men are, um, waiting for others to kind of bring them the needs of their life. And this blind man was heard that Jesus was coming. And so he started crying out to Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, help me, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, help me, have mercy on me. And they tried to shut him up, said, be quiet, be quiet. Don't bother the rabbi. And he just shouted louder. And Jesus came alongside him as tender as he is. And he's wonderful. He always comes to those who shout out his name every single time. He always draws near to them. So what can I do for you? He said, you can please restore my sight. And Jesus says, amazingly, your faith, your faith has healed you. You know who I am as, as Messiah, and you've placed your faith in me. And yes, that faith is going to set you free, and you will now be able to see. And you know what he did? Immediately he did this. Immediately he started glorifying God and following Jesus. And when others saw his life, and they saw the, the change in his life, they too started glorifying God and following Jesus. We're Bartimaeus. Church of the living God, they've been set free. We were once blind. We called out for mercy to God's own Son. And by God's grace and through the instrument of faith, He has allowed us to see. 
He's given us new nature. He has restored the picture to its original beauty and intention for you and me to glorify God. That's what we've been created to do. And now we can sing Him praises. Now what we're called to do is just that, to glorify God, whether we eat or we drink or we work or whatever we do, it's to make Him famous, to tell His story. Now our picture can fit into His grand picture. And now, Church of the Living God, Orangewood, now we live our lives in a way that seeks His glory for Christ and His kingdom. It's not about us. May everything we do in word and deed bring praise, honor, and glory to Jesus. And may others in this community see the way we love one another, the way we love Him. May they see our, 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 works, our good works in His name through a 5K race, through Eatonville projects, through all that we do. Why? So that others will see Him too. And others will follow Him as well. Glorify God. Enjoy Him forever. Let me ask you, is your life out of focus? Is your life out of focus right now? Are there things that you aren't glorifying God in? The message is this. Repent. For any area you're not bringing God glory. And give Jesus the lens of your life. Said, God, focus it the way you'd like it focused. So I can bring you glory. We have a great God. Amen? He's done great things. Jesus has restored our pictures. Your picture makes sense in Christ. Now He wants to tell His picture story through you. How great our God is. Let us pray. Father, I don't understand a love that you would have for sinners like us. You created us beautifully in your image to reflect your glory. And we ruined it. We exchanged that glory for something else. We brought shame to ourselves. We brought separation from you. And you could have left the story, you could have let the story end right there. But you didn't. Father, you demonstrated your own love for us that while our story and our pictures were ruined, you sent Jesus to come and to bring restoration for the glory of it all. He came down to make us new. So that our stories now can have the focus of you. Our lives now can have the focus of you. And we now can have our individual photos of life fit into Jesus' picture. And they all make sense. Father, I pray for any man, woman, or child this morning who has yet had the picture of their life altered through the work of Christ, that today they would repent that they're trying to find happiness apart from Jesus. And they turn their life over to you. Father, I pray for each one of us here at Orangewood, for the areas of our life that are still out of focus, for the things that we aren't turning over for the glory of Jesus. God, would you come and would you cause us to have those pictures be put into focus through Jesus. God, only you can do that because great you are. How great is our God. We thank you for the way you love us in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand.